Hello, is this thing on? Welcome back to Energy 101. We are asking the basic, sometimes dumb, questions so you don't but have to. But not really dumb. Not really dumb because we are smart women. <laughs> right. We know we're smart. And we would like to not only raise our energy IQ, but your energy IQ. I am Sydney from Digital Wildcatters. We have Julie and Jules, aka Jules Squared, here with us today. <laughs> And the guest of honor is Diana Grauer, the Director of Research and Development for NOV, but also a very much a longtime friend of Digital Wildcatters. Thank, Thank you, you for, for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're excited I, to have you. I'm super excited about this. Me too. I think we decided on our topic, yes. which the title of it even a little went over my head. So I'm going to let you introduce the topic and mm-hmm. then kind of explain and we'll ask questions as you go. Okay. So- What I proposed for us to talk about is technology and something called technology readiness levels. And the reason that that's important is that is the scale by which we measure both development and deployment of technology, not only in the oil field, but Mm. in the broader energy business. Okay. So there aren't, I can't say the scale is perfectly the same for all different types of energy, but it's darn close. Mm-hmm. Um, and it tells us that if we're at a low technology readiness level, the technology is really immature. It's new. Mm-hmm. Um, something like out of a university research lab. Um, and then we move into a technology readiness level of three or four. That's sort of bench scale. We're prototyping now. We That's my favorite part because that's when we start bringing pieces and parts together. Right. And we actually get to build things. Um, And then as you go on up the technology readiness level ladder, say that five times, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you start getting into mature, more mature technologies. And at a nine, it is field proven. And then everybody can just kind of wipe the sweat off their brow and go, yes, we made it to the top. The thing works. It hasn't broken. We have a reliability plan in place. Go team. So would you compare it to, this just came to my mind, but like um, a vaccine or medication going through the process of getting tested? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. That makes sense because nine would be like FDA approved. Mm -hmm. It's out. We made it. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I'm not exactly sure what their scale is if it's through nine. But I'm sure it's something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they go through the same kind of of prototyping iterations that we do. Um, also in software development, we do the right. same thing. Yep. Uh, some people call different technology development processes different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody always in the oil field talks about the process and the workflow. When I first started, I went, what is that supposed to mean? Well, the process is the steps that you follow and the workflow is the handoffs, Mm, right? So if you and I are working on a project, I put a workflow in quotes in place that says that at this point I hand you something. It's like Scrum. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the work yes, for agile person development. to person. Yeah. 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 Person to person. Um, and there was a big, huge push when I was working at Schlumberger to really set up robust workflows. I think that there's a lot of value in that, but you have to be super, super careful because everybody then talks about how we don't want to crush innovation. Right. Right. At the same time. So we got to have process. We got to have workflows, but we don't want to build up these walls mm -hmm. so that people can't get anything done because right. humans still need to innovate. If you don't innovate as a human, two things are going to happen. Oh, You're yeah. either going to get eaten yeah. by something. Yeah. Something's going to eat you. Um, or you're going to get run over by something else, right? You're, that's, that's the end of your existence. So yeah. humans just have to keep moving forward. And, and, um, I think that the energy industry, you know, back to technology readiness levels, we know how to push the envelope, but we know how to do it really, really carefully. Right. Uh, which is the thing that um, I think we talk about a lot, but we still don't talk about enough, and that's safety in the energy business. I know I've gotten us a little bit off topic now, but technology readiness levels are supposed to manage your risk. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's the whole idea. Makes sense. Is to make sure that you're not putting people or technology or tools or resources in yeah. danger. Yeah, because you're talking like when you have big rigs that people are working on or some big machinery, mm -hmm. anything is like it can be super dangerous. So you can't just throw something out there and be like, let's test it with these guys' lives. Right. Like, you let's, can't do let's that. Let's test it. Let's see yeah. what happens. Uh, we can't we can't do that. So we've got to have a really rigorous way to evaluate technologies, um, which is my favorite part of working in energy because you get to see all of it. I was going to ask you, so what does it look like whenever you get to see like a technology in development? Is it on like a test site? Is it on like, what does that like process look like? So a lot of times it starts with just a pitch deck on paper. Mm. I know so many entrepreneurs that have really, really amazing ideas no capital to back them. So you've got to be looking for the person who's willing to put in the time and the effort to put it down on paper to translate their ideas into whatever the next phase is. Um, I usually see technologies when they're a little bit more mature than that, when people have um, tried something in their garage. That's one of the places where engineers tend to do a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Um, also universities are allowing, uh, students to work in what they call maker spaces. So students are getting to try technologies really, really early. That's about when I see stuff. And then what I try to do is take them down a path that is the least painful way <laughs> possible of introducing whatever it is that they're trying to build to my industry. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can take a couple of weeks. Sometimes that can take a couple of years. Sometimes 
you know, some of the stuff that people do in oil and gas is harder than going to the moon. And I will argue that any day with all of my friends from NASA. But <laughs> there's there are just so many incredible challenges in that space that people are fixing every day. If I spent all of my time just looking at pitch decks, I wouldn't have time to actually evaluate the technologies. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you don't want to miss out on anything really, really good. Right. right. So you've got to review yeah. every pitch deck. I'm sure it's a balance. It's, it's an it's it's an incredible balance, but you get to see it's almost like seeing into the future a little bit. So how long have you been in the industry? So I've been in the industry since I graduated from undergraduate in 2006. Okay. And I went on a co-op to a company called El Paso Corporation. They're now part of Kinder Morgan. Mm hmm um, and I stuck around there for for a summer and then went back to graduate school. And I finished my Ph.D. in 2010. After graduate school, I went to the Department of Energy for a couple of years and then I moved into the oil field. OK, so 2012 about okay. was when I started working for Cameron. So about 10 years. Mm -hmm. How have you seen like the technology kind of advance or actually let me ask you this. What? has been like the favorite, your favorite like technology to work on? Oh, robots. Robots? <laughs> robots. <laughs> How Doesn't does that, matter what kind. If it's a robot, Is it in the I'm oil excited. field? Absolutely. What do they do? Like what are, what kind of robotics are kind of out there right now? Robots are put in place in the oil field to take humans out of an unsafe mm. okay. location. So we're, we're, we've almost come full circle back to now we're managing our risk, trying to um, move people out of the line of fire, make sure that they're not in danger and make sure they're not doing anything that could get them into trouble right. and danger eventually. Um, that's what we have robots for. We also have robots for places that humans can't reach, um, like... 3,000 meters water depth below the surface of the ocean. Right. Humans cannot, mm -hmm. we can't do that. We mm -hmm. just, we're just not built for it. So the right. robots will swim down, fix, fix. whatever's wrong. Exactly. <laughs> like back Swimming up. Swimming robots. Swim back up. Yes. <laughs> and so they cool. will, they will do all kinds of things. Um, some of the most interesting people that I have ever met have been ROV designers and ROV operators and uh, teams that develop those technologies because they have to think in three dimensions mm -hmm. because the, the robot, for example, sub C is floating. So it can move mm. in any direction. It can roll, it can, you know, swim straight. It can not swim straight if you're not being careful. Right. Um, but then they have these arms that reach out and can manipulate valves. They can, um, you know, sample fluid. They can do all kinds of crazy things. Um, but that's because humans can't get there. Right. On the other side of the equation, on land rigs, for example, which I know Colin and Jake are super familiar with, 
we use them to handle the drill pipe. So I've got a couple of really, really large robots um, out at the Springett Technology Center at NOV uh, run by a team that are just incredible when it comes to the versatility of the robot arms. Um, I could sit there and watch them all day. That is so cool. That is really cool. Are robots fairly new, you would say, in the oil and gas industry? Or- I would say robots are not new. How we're using the robots is very, very different. Okay. Mm. Um, what we used to do is something called teleoperate, which means that we had an operator with joysticks And it was like flying a helicopter. Right. Right. So um, we would give them all of the all of the capabilities to move the robot exactly how they would want an extension of their arms to move. Now, what we're finding is that there are more efficient ways to do processes and that we can program in some of what those those robot arms and those other robots do um, and let them do them themselves. And the robot will optimize what it does, which That's I so think cool. is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um there's a there's a company in town called Houston Mechatronics. Shout out to them. Great friends. They're building the Aquanaut, which is a tetherless vehicle that allows you to make all these changes and operate in the oil field without having a big long extension cord that goes all the way to the surface. So that's wow. usually how it, it in the past it was always tethered. Tethered. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So imagine trying to vacuum your entire house and you can only plug into one outlet. Mm-hmm. Right? That's how mm-hmm. much extension cord wow. relatively you need. And Managing that extension cord gets really hard and it's really complicated and it takes time and it takes a lot of energy to do. That's crazy. That is It also kind of blows my mind to hear you talking. Um, We don't, I don't feel like we get to hear like the technical side of things. We really don't. Not as much as. Not like this. So this is really cool. And you always hear people say the oil and gas industry runs 10 years behind. But hearing you talk, I'm like, it all sounds pretty innovative. And maybe it's like a different side of the industry runs mm-hmm. 10 years behind. But it's crazy how technical the industry is without people knowing it. Like, mm-hmm. I, th- I don't think people – there is a big like, misconception. I think that there is a generational shift right now, not only in oil and gas, but in energy, mm-hmm. where – my dad worked for an oil refinery. He ran pipeline operations. Um, that was a very, very different environment than the oil field that I work in now. Um, we have people in lab coats. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, we have clean rooms for sensor development and and design. We have, uh, you know, biologists that work for oil companies on, you know, uh, different kind of of fluids to inject in the oil field that are clean and biodegradable. 
is just, it's crazy. Um, I think that my generation, our generation has started to look up and say, can it be a little bit different? Can mm-hmm. I talk about what I do in the oil mm-hmm. field? Can I tell you about all the cool things that we're investing in all the time? Um, we have to stay out in front of our competitors, just mm-hmm. like with any business. Uh, we're, we're a B2B. We have to be innovative all the time. We always have to be adopting technology. And the other thing that we have to do is grow all the time. Mm-hmm. So we're either organically growing through R&D, right? So we develop our own stuff and we commercialize it inside, or we're inorganically growing. We buy somebody, right? We evaluate that technology, we acquire them and we bring them into the organization. Yeah. And both of those methods can be successful. Both of those methods can be a complete shit show. <laughs> um, but ultimately the energy industry is the industry right now that is investing really, really heavily into new technology. And that's where I want to be. I want to right. be in a group of people that are looking at new technologies every day. Well, and it sounds like we talk a lot about um, at DW just how the energy and oil and gas sector is not great at storytelling and they have such a bad reputation. Mm -hmm. And I love talking to people like you because just like you said, you guys are investing in this technology that isn't just advancing energy and oil and gas, but making it safer, more environmentally friendly, things that other people look down on our industry for. You guys are investing in things to make it better. Absolutely. I mean, we are pulling a product out of the ground, Mm -hmm. processing it in a million different ways. You guys need to get yourselves a chemical engineer to come talk to you about all that, because at the end of all of that craziness comes out really important things like Ziploc bags Mm -hmm. and disposable diapers which is all my life revolved around <laughs> for, like, for like five years. I right? feel your so, pain. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and, and those are things that make life easier. They make mm-hmm. life better. Um, they also, we use those fuels for propulsion and mining. You know, I have a cell phone, you have a cell mm-hmm. phone. All of that has metal in it. Well, we got to get it out of the ground mm-hmm. some way. I would prefer that we did it in a sustainable and fairly autonomous way and not people just kind of digging holes. Um, You know, there's there are better ways to do things. And I think the the industry, the energy industry is really on the forefront of the let's do this better movement. We have so many young executives right now who are like me, they've got 10 years in the oil field, they know what they're doing, and they know how to do it well, right? We've just got to get the right people in the right positions, given the right opportunities, and the right incentives. Absolutely. Which is a whole nother podcast (laughs) about incentives and investing um, that we can tackle some other time. I have one last question. Can you share anything that you're working on right now that you're excited about? I'm excited about emissions reduction technologies. So criteria pollutants 
things that we measure and monitor are really hard to measure and monitor. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that you have a little tiny location in a huge, big installation of equipment where you may have one little tiny leak. And I'll be damned if finding that leak is impossible. Yeah. So we've got some new technology now. Uh, we mount these sensors on drones. Uh, shout out to Seacops in Austin. They're going to do some drone surveys for me. Um, we're going to measure and monitor all the interesting things that are going on. Because we as an industry know Mm -hmm. That first of all, we need to mitigate those, mm -hmm. those pollutants, but also we want to, Yeah, we want to, I want to keep that product in the pipe. I don't want it leaking all over right. everyone. You That's a waste. Yeah. That's a waste. Yeah. I'm wasting yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, I think there's a ton of opportunity in emissions management, emissions reduction, um, of both methane emissions and uh, combustion products like CO, carbon monoxide, CO2, carbon dioxide, um, NOx, all kinds of stuff like that. So I think that there are some really interesting technologies that are leading us down a path of maybe not being able to fix every leak, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But getting darn close. And we're trying. Yeah. And yeah. we're trying. Yeah. We're trying. Yeah. And we're we investing. Somewhere. Mm -hmm. We're investing. We've got, um, I don't mean to brag, but I think we have an amazing leadership team at NOV. Um, I'm a huge fan of David Reed. I am mm -hmm. uh, a huge fan of, of what the organization is doing in terms of just trying to evaluate, evaluate really, really good technology. Mm -hmm. And bring it to the field really fast. That's awesome. That's, that's the one fun thing part. is like, there's one thing about bringing it to the field, but if you can do it quickly, mm -hmm. oh yeah, you know. Well, that's... I've got I've got competitors on my heels. I've got customers yeah. pushing. Mm -hmm. I've got investors pulling. Um, you know, there we've just got to align all the right incentives and then allow people to innovate. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and then you know, back to where we started. On on risk management, you know, it's it's all about people. It's all about keeping them safe. That's all I do every day is make sure that I'm looking at technologies from a risk reduction perspective. Yeah. Right. So I put everything on the technology readiness level scale. I mean, and I think you are speaking at Fuse mm -hmm. in October. And this conversation just makes me so excited to learn more about all the new technology that hopefully people are going to come uh, demo, talk about, show off. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And hopefully by that point, we'll have even more podcasts under our belt. So we'll be walking into Fuse. <laughs> experts, experts on everything. Experts. Yeah. experts. Yeah. I think Fuse is going to be a really, really interesting way to bring a lot of really different groups of people mm -hmm. together. And I love collisions. Yes. I'm a I'm a combustion engineer by training. I love molecular collisions. I love people <laughs> collisions in a good way, yeah. not on the beltway, but mm -hmm. like happened today, but I I love to see those intellectual collisions and and I love to watch people's brains grow in front of you. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best thing ever when you can stand in front of a room of people 
bring something new mm-hmm. um, and, a, and potentially a perspective that they haven't really thought of before. And you just watch their eyes get really big and then you watch their brains start growing. And it's it's just an incredible thing to watch. I mean, that's kind of our mission. One of our our missions here at the Digital Wildcatters is to celebrate those collisions and encourage them. And, you know, the healthy debates that happen between different sides of the sector that sometimes definitely butt heads. I think that's what we're hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're headed in the right direction because I have seen the speaker list (laughs) or at least part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm super excited just to be in attendance. So getting to speak is, is, you know, cherry on the top. Love it. Yeah. We can't wait. Very excited. Jules. All right. We're going to end this episode with rapid fire. You ready? Okay. I am ready. (laughs) Here we go. What's the number one misconception about the energy industry? Oh, it's it's dirty that it's hard. You've you know, it's it's not this glamorous Mm -hmm. environment. It's not, um, you know, like working in a biology lab or or working in fashion, but it has its own incredible Mm -hmm. challenges. Um, And and, um, you know, if you want to wear a lab coat. (laughs) <laughs> wear a lab coat for it. Work for me and yeah. wear a lab coat. I don't care. Number two, why should I care about energy? Because it touches everything that you do every day. Um, we talked about Ziploc bags and diapers mm-hmm. earlier. You know, getting from point A to point B, harvesting the materials that will eventually give us a cleaner mm-hmm. way, at least locally of getting from point A to point B. Um, I think that you guys are headed in the right direction trying to get this message out. And that's, I think, one of the things that I'm most excited about. Last one. What is your most embarrassing story in your career? That's my favorite question. Okay. <laughs> Mine too. So I won't go, I won't go too deep, but uh, I told you ladies earlier, I wiped out in front of a board of directors going up onto a podium. Oh no. And I was in heels and it was really, really funny to me because it was a room full of men. And they all like reached out to help me and squealed at the same time. (laughs) There was this like high pitch, like, like, oh, like a collective. Yeah. From from, like, and I could have, you know, the, the, oh, I can get from a room full of women, but it was just dudes and I wiped out and it was, uh, we all still laugh about it at me later, but, um, But that was the first time I had ever, I ever got up to give a presentation in front of a board of directors and I face planted. <laughs> I feel it like was, it was only up from it was, there. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Got it from the bar really, really low, really early. Yeah. <laughs> and I can impress them from there. So. I don't know if I would want to laugh, cry, or just lay there. Yeah. <laughs> just lay there. Well, like, and I, I just leave me be. And I, and I, I got to tell you, I wasn't. I didn't like jump up like I wasn't like Miss Spring and everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Like I was kind of like, oh, that, <laughs> <got> hurt. <laughs> that was rough. Uh, it reminds so. me of uh, Jennifer Lawrence at the Oscars. 
I think it was the Oscars. She was walking up the steps in this like humongous dress and just yes. fell and just stayed there for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Laughed at herself and then was like, all right, here we go. She was probably much more graceful than I was. <laughs> I'm sure that like my legs were over my head. And I'm sure it was just awful. At least there's no video footage. No, there is no video. Um, you know, I still have the PowerPoint that I gave that day just as a reminder. <laughs> Right. Because I thought I was a big deal. I was, I was young. I was in front mm-hmm. of a board. I was my first vice president role. I was going to show them because I was the, the woman in the room. We were going to do it. And I just looked like a total idiot. It was great. That's great. awesome. I love that story. I feel like that's something that would happen to me, honestly. I'm like yeah. the so closest relatable. person alive. Yes. Relatable. First, first BOD presentation. There we go. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I oh, really you're very welcome. enjoyed this episode. Like talking about robotics was really interesting. Like we could talk about that all day, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do. I think you kind of shine a light on something we don't ever get to hear about. So thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. If okay. you if you want our non-existent followers <laughs> to follow you, where can they follow you? They can follow me on LinkedIn. I know. LinkedIn isn't like the most amazing place, but I am kind of an old lady mm. and I am just now figuring out how to tweet mm. and TikTok <laughs> and mm-hmm. Instagram. Isn't that insane? Um, so follow me on LinkedIn first and then you can follow me on the other platforms Wait, once love, I get them figured out. I'd love to see your TikTok. I feel like you could do so many cool things. You could yes. showcase a lot. Yeah, actually, robots. Um, robots. I, there are some really cool 101s that I want to do. Yeah. And I just haven't done them yet. So, yeah. Well, you have three followers right here. Yeah, we'll follow <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks so much. We'll catch y'all next time. Bye. <laughs>